Hello, welcome again everybody. Today I want to talk about something that has been really challenging for me. It's been encouraging me to go deeper, to feel into the body, to, to be vulnerable. And it's connected with my passion for Mary Magdalene, the Ascendant Masters, the wild feminine, the sacredness of the body, being in the body, being seen in the body. And ultimately the balancing of what you could say more than pure masculinity and femininity. Doing and not doing. Creating and receiving. Reluctant to say forcing, but more commanding. Working with the elements, working with the spirit, but ultimately being the spirit. So why I feel it's important to begin with this, the High Priestess, the energy of the Magdalene, is beyond trying to do anything, and following and dialing a plane I wake in my third book was ultimately about becoming the magician. It's the, the self, the identity representation, some who's cloaked in the earth, the red earth of the land, but the sacredness of the white flame, the white awareness and purity of light but the ability to become the magician is ultimately dependent on the high priestess so while the the magician is the culmination of the human manifestation it's very important for me particularly with working the body and going to a deeper space with magic with awareness with creativity abundance prosperity and flow is to see that we're all the high priestess and to recognize her in multiple forms what I'm also feeling drawn to talk about, and this is going to be a little bit different to some of the, the content I've shared previously, is the priestess isn't necessarily only this cookie-cutter, white queen, compassionate Mother Mary archetype that we've perhaps been more accustomed to in Western tradition and Christianity. And Christianity was heavily influenced by Roman culture. Greek culture, which influenced them, and even Egyptian culture before them. So there is a bit of a link with that. But by the time we come to Christianity, and there's a, a seeming Christianity taught around embodiment, around the, the magic, Christ-conscious teachings of the Christ, the magician, Jesus Christ, is there's this tendency to move more towards patriarchal empire building. And the, the nature of the feminine flow and solidity of the land for the masculine, for Christianity to seemingly succeed in a built on a brotherhood type mentality, it needed to, it's, I'm not sure if it needed to, but the way the conscious seeming seemed to develop, it was a denial of the feminine and the power of the feminine. It needed to have the feminine as either virgins or martyrs, and they seemingly needed to be controlled. We see that in the medieval times, and when, as Christianity developed stronger and stronger, it was seeming to kind of move and squash out a lot of the pre, pre-Christian pre Celtic pagan traditions, which had a lot of veneration for the feminine. For Christianity to succeed in, in along with as a succeeding Roman Empire, a patriarchal building based on religion and, and acquiring land and wealth and somewhat disconnected in the times of the, the Christ-conscious teachings around manifestation and hard awareness and belting masculine and feminine, 
there was just the necessity that the people evolved to to kind of squash the power of the feminine, or at least make it seemingly subservient to the masculine. And that's a real difficult thing to to say to suggest, but it's pretty clear, isn't it? I mean, we can sense that that there's just been this this unwillingness to allow the feminine to thrive and even with uh, a lot of structures and institutions and and this has been destabilized a lot over the last few years with pandemics and and certain conscious raising experiences and floods and 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 fires and all these experiences which are destabilizing the the man-made institutions is that a lot of institutions have, have historically particularly last few thousand years have wanted to keep the feminine in check. They've wanted to, they needed rationalism and structure and the seeming doing rather than the, the power of the untamed feminine and flow and creativity. So the Virgin Mary fits that box and and for those watching this rather than purely listening to it, you can see the imagery of the high priestess is very blue, isn't it? And it, it fits into that Virgin Mary space. But when we're working with the tarot, and the tarot for me also, I did start experimenting with to my early 30s, because it's seen as taboo. The marketing gurus of the Christianity, and, or whatever you want to call it, the Christianity filtering into all aspects, the, the tarot was seen as taboo, wasn't it? Too witchy or sorcery. But Merlin and Arthur and even Buffy and Angel in the early 90s when I was growing up, it's it's developed it's bringing forward the consciousness raising. And what I'm finding more powerfully now is while I always prayed to a Mary as along with the Jesus, I'm seeing it beyond the Mary, Mary meaning water. And that's talked a lot by a lot by Neville Goddard in the manifestation space. That her her name actually means water. She's the fluid element. She's the what you assume or I am that you could call the high priestess the I am. The state of consciousness that you wanted to be is water that embodies the environment of the frequency. So that's another powerful state. The, the, the priestess is the I am, and the, I guess the magician could be the identity, the the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. So what we're finding is the, this awareness of femininity is, is and I guess a, a reclamation of the Tao, the Tao Te Ching in the East, and... Moving beyond even the guru system that's developed someone in the East and some, I think to move beyond pure magician, guru, teacher is to just let the water flow. Let it all go and see that you are the high priestess. So that's the, the challenge. Can we believe that we are a divinity? And it, it can be difficult when we, we build churches and statues and all these things to pray for. And there's stories of this around it, but Rather looking at them as, as a, they can, a statue and a shrine uh, from a, a constructed space that can focus the attention. But the awareness of going back to the Earth Mother, the Mother Earth principle that Isis and, and Mary Magdalene and Mother Mary and even going further back, the Morrigan of, of the sacred goddesses solitary in the Celtic world, Kali and Parvati in the, in the Hindu tradition, the Earth Mother frequency is ultimately a, a sexless Mother Earth state. It's a frequency of consciousness which we can all access. And it's like water. Water is a conductor of electricity. So it's the frequency that's risen 
But it can't necessarily be conceptually understood, which is why the, the masculine patriarchal, if there's an imbalance between one and the other, it, there's just a disconnect. And while the, becoming a magician is, is powerful to consciously change a reality, the magician ultimately realises that all, all conscious realities connect to their I am state of consciousness, the frequency that they allow through the feminine. The feminine power is rising in our consciousness. And it doesn't necessarily look at the conceptual, the, the external, the physical, masculine, male, female, binary, because it's a sexless gender. And I was looking at this today, and my life on the earth, mother, principle, very powerful. It's seeming like, it's, it's quite often seen as, yeah, mother earth, father sun, mother moon. And then the elements are generally looked at. Fire and air, generally more masculine, and, and earth and water are feminine, but. They're just words. The feminine is identified with female and masculine with man. But ultimately it's more what does the, what's the function? Fire is a burning energy and fire is connected to the sun, which heats. And it's also in the ether, the air. It's an air and fire and air seem to go together. But the earth and the water is a land principle. It's more of the direct manifestation. And it's seen because it's birth and it's nature, so it's seen as feminine. But I was looking at this today, and I, I do like this idea of femininity as an air, even an air connection too. That you can see with this, those people watching this, and if not, not able to access the moment, I'd suggest Google or, or if they have a, a set of tarot cards, get them out. The high priestess. Well, she's got the the archetypal imagery of the moon and her feet. And I'm saying using her because it's it's still a priestess, even the name priestess rather than priest implies femininity. But if you look at it, at her robes, her robes is, could very much be identified as as masculine as well. There's no the face, the feminine, the fa the features of the face that apparently look very feminine, and even the eyes are somewhat blue. But the her chest is actually you can see this not a, a developed breast. They're not really a developed breastplate. It's the breasts of water. It's the, rather than the empress, who's seen as an incarnation expression, the priestess, more of the bountiful space and incarnated. The priestess is deliberately formless. It's very interesting, uh, but ultimately, that's that's the power of it. And while she in this card, she expresses blue. What I'm really liking, what I'm feeling inclined to talk about today is connected with that, is the energy of the Morrigan, the great queen, who the, the Celtic Irish son of goddess, who's connected with Danu, who's the mother of Tuatha de Danon, and, and Bridget, who's also a triple goddess, and they're much connected with Mary. The Bridget was somewhat of a, Bridget was a Celtic goddess, a triple goddess like the Morrigan. And you could, for me, I feel like they're all connected. Danu, Bridget, Morrigan, are in, and, and some people agree or disagree with this. Morrigan also connected to Morgan in the Avalonian tradition. It's the Earth Mother principle. But while we, we'll, the tradition seemingly and the stories come through, the, the, the myths around them and the meaning we often associate, even like a, a Hercules or a Jason the Argonauts or the Greek tradition, we associate the character with the feats or Odysseus. But there's a deeper meaning behind the story that's about more of the parable, like with the biblical tradition of the devil Goddard. The, the stories have more of the symbolic meaning, but and that's how they exist. That's how they, they're carried down. And the Morrigan is the earth mother, the seeming war goddess. 
is very interesting. And even Isis, with that parallel in the Egyptian tradition, Isis who's very much a precursor to Mary, both of them have an aspect of, of I, I would say, I'm not going to say rescuing the masculine, ultimately moving the masculine beyond fighting. For Isis, there's a story around her, her, her two brothers. Her brother is a brother energy set at Osiris. Osiris is seen as her masculine partner who's killed by Set. And in order for her to bring him back to life, there's a story that she has to basically bring him back and gives birth to Horus. She helps rebuild, bring the, the, the fallen masculine back to life. There's a similar tradition with Arthur and Morgan and Guinevere in the Celtic faith that Arthur, and, and there's a story, and ultimately he's fighting his son. Again, Osiris set at the son and the, and the mother principle. When Arthur's supposed to have died, he's, where is he taken? He's taken by the three queens, the triple goddess of Morgan Morrigan to Avalon to heal from his grievous wound. So what is the wound? And I guess the final one connected with that before I go to this part is Kuhalen in the, the battle raid of Cooley, the seeming super macho masculine warrior who is fighting, trying to prove, trying to rescue his, his countrymen, trying to save, trying to, he needs honour, he's preoccupied with external worth and deeds of bravery and, and, and the cults are very big on that. It's very, and I, I need to be very clear that it's, it can be some people there in particular with using associating Celtic and Irish culture. I generally group them all together. The, the Celts are people generally were identified more as Gaels. Back in that time, they, their language is Gaelic. But there's also connections with, with the Spanish and the French. But I've been very general in my interpretation here, so please forgive me with that. But why I talk about Ireland and the Morrigan and particularly her relationship, not only in Ireland, but she's, she's connected as an Earth Mother principle throughout all the land of Britain and even in the, in the principles of other cultures and countries. Clearly with Hindu culture, the, with Kali and the relationship with the Hindu goddess and even Celtic was seen as an Indo-European language. It's connected to Sanskrit. And there's actually a Dana, Danu, which has a similar relationship to the Danu of the Celtic culture, Irish Danu, the, or Don in the British tradition. But focusing again on what I'm, I'm getting at, the final part around the masculine being wounded with Osiris and Arthur, Kuhalen in the tradition around the Battle Raid of Crawley, an incarnation of the sun god or the, the master of arts, crafts, Lu. He has to submit to the feminine. He needs to die. He needs to stop fighting to prove worth. And he's so preoccupied with his whole life is about he's wanting to achieve. He's wanting to be the super god. He's preoccupied with needing to show how wonderful he is. The, the boastful characteristics of the Celts are there being on, on, on using, again, the Irish Celts and, and the Welsh Celts in their own way. Poetry, verse, words, and there's a the power of words is very powerful, and that's a magical element. And either Lou is the sun god, and Cahalan is they're magicians, they're warrior magicians, but their power is bestowed on them by the solitary, the priestess. And while they could succeed and they could fight and they could and defeat people, they're seeming shadows, they're rubbers, their own thought forms. Through Osiris, he's fighting his brother, but could set. And then the set and the Satan and Jesus, could it not be seen as one double for the other? Osiris is fighting his warrior self. 
He's, he's, he's attached to conceptual 3D reality. Good, bad, right, wrong. So that part of him needs to die. Set needs to die, and he's good. And the way Set will die, he kills the part of the Cyrus. He's reborn through the sun principle, and there's a similar relationship with that with Merlin and even Mordred fighting his son. Arthur's fighting his son, and Merlin's somewhat of the arbiter on the balance of both energies. But Morgan is the one that brings Arthur back to life. He's going to the Isle of Avalon to be healed of his grievous wound. What is his wound? The need to fight. The need to cre keep creating shadows, images, stories connected with the what the magician. The magician goes through the journey of awakening to realise that they're the ones creating the play. So this preoccupation with self and success and trying to achieve or trying to be, trying to be the king, become the king, to, to rule a certain other when it's just only... only just reflections of others in every aspect of reality. So when we're trying to feed what could be described as the ego, but more the conceptual 3D self that depends on worth, there's always someone to fight. There's always someone better than. There's always someone to keep fighting for until you turn on yourself. Because even the fighter needs both an enemy and a victim. But when it's, it's attached to both, it's ultimately enslaved to both the enemy and the victim. Because it needs both to exist. Similar with the Dark Knight principle in Batman. You see with the Dark Knight, the Christopher Nolan tradition, at the start of the, I think it's the final movie when he's fighting Bane, he's got no purpose to live. Bruce Wayne's, he's lived up in a mansion in Gotham and he's, he can barely walk. He's got no purpose because he's no one to fight. He'd hardly dead, so he'd be gone for a number of years and... And he's identity, even though he's got the, the double facet of the and the millionaire or billionaire, whatever it is in this in this um, production, the Batman trilogy by Nolan, and he's also got the he, he just it doesn't really fit. He's the billionaire, but he his identity's more of the warrior. He's a warrior billionaire. So we need someone to fight. So we need someone who's a a mirror of him, Bane, some from the League of Shadows. But what gets him moving? The priestess, Catwoman, played by Anne Hathaway, she enters his life. She gets him moving. She gets him changing. She steals from him. She's she's prodding the bear. She's helping him wake up. So, he okay, now he's got a purpose. He's got someone who's engaging him. And there's Bane, and Bane's, okay, Bane comes forward to try to destroy the earth. But this is a mirror of the Osiris set principle, finding the self. And remember, it's it's Catwoman who leads Batman to Bane. She leads him to his own, own destruction. It's a similar thing with the Morrigan and Kuhalen. She keeps trying to connect with him, connect with the feminine, move beyond the need to fight and keep creating shadows of your own destruction. She comes from a different facets, different appearances, different aspects of the shape-shifting tradition. But he's so focused on what he needs to do. His duties are important to him. And duty something to be valued. It's associated with identity. Like Batman, his duty is to save the people of Gotham. But is he also not bringing forward or manifesting the, the dramas that need to be saved? Is he not bringing forward his own destruction? His own purpose? And this is why his recalibration that he needs to transcend the warrior. And he's... Basically, the, the wealth's taken away from him. His identity's taken away from him. He's awakened. 
He's reborn. He's like, a, and that's the principle of Arthur going to Avalon and the Morrigan with Kuhalan. He did Kali with uh, with Shiva. We see the iconic traditions around Kali. If you're interested in Kali, Kali and Magdalene and Jesus and Shiva, there's all, and, and Isis and Osiris. There's a reason why all these stories are powerful in our consciousness still. And while they come up in movies like, or, or, or stories of traditions like the Arthurian tradition, or the Battle Raid of Kali with Kuhalan and Morrigan, and the Batman stories, Arthur and Merlin, there exists the masculine, feminine, Consciousness raising and balancing, but the the masculinity seems to be so out of, I guess, out of balance or out of harmony with the feminine. The feminine wants to be seen and felt, acknowledged, but Kuhalan won't do that to Mor the Morrigan. Refuses to see it. So focused on finding, and there's, while the story is displayed, the, the conceptual idea the Morrigan said is destructive and leading to his own downfall of Kuhalan's eventually, she's wanted to connect with him. And ultimately, that's where I think people get a bit, this is my perspective, but it's it's interesting that the Morrigan and Morgan, who are, there, I guess, the, the similar aspect in the Arthur, both have evolved over time, and that in the more the Christian faith, the Christian teachers who are trying to interpret these ancient stories or create new stories, that they, they portray the Morrigan Morgan as a, a, a devilish figure. Being mindful also the devil, Devi. Devi is actually divine mother. They're interesting, isn't it? The devil is also Devi, Durga, mother goddess of the Hindu tradition. So it's even the devil term and sat, Satan, the set, the double of the Cyrus, it's this duality. that it, For the masculine to succeed, to be above the feminine, it needs the jewel. It needs to shame the feminine. But what the, it, if we keep doing that, and there's always going to be this disharmony, isn't there? The masculine will be disconnected with the feminine. And the feminine gets disconnected to their own femininity if they want to fit in with the masculinity. And there's just this lack of connection in relationships. So while there's empire building, land grabbing, the, the earth will keep creating disasters, pandemic, consciousness raising experiences to humble the masculine, to bring Osiris into the, the, to death, to be reborn as a new conscious of the balanced masculine and feminine awareness. Horus. So Jesus Christ, that's why in the tradition of the Father, Mother, the Holy Spirit, the, the Father, the Holy Spirit is the feminine, Christ is the Son. Horus and Jesus are the Christ awareness. They're the new conscious of the balanced masculine and the feminine. So this is why even in the around the Morrigan and the Dagda is another the Father God. The, the Morrigan and the Dagda in an, an earlier story connected with the Bulls of Cooley. The Dagda is the father god of the Celts, and the Morrigan is the seeming mother goddess in her aspects of also Danu, but they couple. They have to couple to defeat the old consciousness. So while that's portrayed in the story, of, I can't remember the name of that myth, but if you're interested, I'm just looking up the Dagda and the Morrigan in Irish tradition, they have to defeat what was before them. It's seeming the, the Fomorans, the giants, the consciousness, which is around that over-conceptualized masculine. It needs to be defeated. but And they're also their relatives, remember. Either Lou, who's a big part of that that defeat of the old gods, is brought forth by this awareness of the, the, the Dagda and the Morrigan in coupling and bringing forth together, balancing each other. Lou's empowered as that sun god. So either Lou in his own way is somewhat that 
Horus, Jesus Christ tradition. That's a male story, but you can equally make that a female. Yeah, the same as Jesus Christ is equally Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene could be the daughter of the father and the son. Same, so this is what's so interesting about it all. Empire building structures, concepts, we'll keep looking through masculine, femininity, earth mother, awareness, while feminine, it feels very comfortable in the feminine energy. And it's not preoccupied in any two even conceptualize either one. Either people feeling more comfortable with not being identified with sex. That's a feminine awareness. And femininity doesn't need to conceptualize. It's already whole. Thanks again for listening, watching, being a big part of this today. I'm really excited about talking more about the Morrigan and the Earth Mother and the, the feminine conscious principle. Mary Magdalene was that first, I guess, more conscious awareness of, of inspiration when I walked the Camino de Santiago and Way of Al and, and I, I just connected with a lot of their places of veneration. But she too, some of the places I went to were connected with Isis. And even some of the Celtic countries I, I moved through when I began writing my creative journey is connected with Bridget, Anu, Maeve, Morrigan. This feminine awareness is a part of this. And while we might think we're doing the things, we go we buy a book or we research, it's the frequency that's strongest towards it. Bye for now.